Women Bridging the Gap is a freewheeling conversation co-hosted by Lenya Wilson and myself, Alexandra Detalia. Listen to our conversations while we discuss race and womanhood at the hearth level. My friend has a, a company called Effie's Paper. Okay. And that's named after her grandmother. And she specializes in beautiful stationery. And she also did my rebrand. So I have these fantastic cards, note cards with my name on them. And she designed my new business cards. And I love the stationery. Do I just don't write enough letters. Do you a lot in your business? I write, yeah, like I write notes. I leave them on like if I'm doing a return, let's say, of clothes, I'll write a thank you note to the PR company for allowing us to use the clothes. Yeah. So I do. I've already gone, I've already gone through one packet. Wow. So I still I'm, have my, my stepmother had given me like really beautiful stationery and also beautiful cards with my name embossed in them. And so I still like to use those for thank you cards and things too. Good stationery is a lot. It's a lost art. Everybody, you should yes. do it. It's when you get a thank you card on embossed stationery or personal stationery, it stands out. Yeah, that's why I love Effie's paper because it's just beautiful. I had these cards that said slay all day, which is like, you know, Beyonce. But um, in the back was this pink marbled sort of design on the back of the cards. It was just stunning, you know, like I didn't even want to use them. They were so pretty, but I did send, I actually used them all up, but I love stationery. And I just, there's something about the quality of hers that I really like. She was on the Today Show the other day. So Wow, that's big. That's awesome. Yeah. So the link below for people. Yes, definitely. Definitely. She'll be happy about that. <laughs> morning, Lenya. Good morning, Alex. How you doing? I'm wearing the same dress as yesterday. <laughs> I noticed. I'm not. I'm, but I'm wearing my pajama top. Like that's like basically where this has gone. It's been <laughs> that kind of week. So tell everybody how much you pulled yesterday. 230. So close to my PR. Like so close to the number that I want. So, so close. I'm 20 pounds away. I can't wait. We're excited. We're excited for you. So today we're talking about tarot. So I think we should, we're sort of covering like racism in everyday things. And the idea that really in trying to educate white people to the experience of a black person in America really understanding that it's everywhere. So when a white person is feeling defensive to sort of actually take a moment and feel some empathy to the idea that in almost anything a person does, it's through a white lens. Mm -hmm. And so the idea is that in of itself is exhausting. These tarot cards that we're going to talk about, like all come from everywhere. No, it's true. Again, like if, Like we're going to have looking at certain cards that might come from, say, Poland. It might not be representational, but it is representational maybe of Poland. It is everywhere. That affects the psyche, and I want to delve into that. We did not come to our interest in tarot together or even talk about it until we were well both into our own separate interests. Do you think it's because there is some stigma around tarot cards? You know, probably. I don't know. Like my... 
I know your interest is for a, has gone for a long time, way longer than mine. Mine was purely because I started following somebody not having anything to do with their tarot cards, but having to do with the spirituality around their Instagram. And then they started, you know, they've had like these weekly readings and I was like, this is interesting. And I thought maybe I want my first set but it took a long time from that moment of me thinking I want that first set to actually getting my first set. And I don't know. And then, and that's where I think the stigma yeah. comes in. That's where probably, cause I, I didn't even, you know, I probably was, Oh, I don't know if I want to, and I never talked about it to anyone. So I guess I didn't talk <laughs> about it with you. Yeah. I only started talking about it to up uh, with other people recently. Yeah, it's weird. There's even a little bit of appropriation in the story, if I think back to it. My sister and I were driving cross-country when we were 22 or 23. She had just graduated college, and it was like my gift to her. So we drove cross-country, and we spent some time in New Orleans. And I've always been interested in mysticism. I've always been interested in magic. And so, you know, we did a tour of, like, the voodoo history of New Orleans. And the tour was given, interestingly enough, a young white man called Alex, who was at the time, I thought very hot. Like he, it was the early nineties. So like he had grungy long hair and was completely heroin chic, like anorexic looking look. I just was like, part of being, I'm studying to be a voodoo priest. At least this is what he said that he, so I don't know, again, this is a long, this 30 years ago, but he had said like, you can't look in a mirror for a year. And I was like, I am so ready for this experience. And, but again, like, it was kind of interesting. Like, Oh, he was a white guy, like clearly from privilege, like studying to be a voodoo priest. Like, I just think about that now. And it's so weird, but he gave the tour And then I just remember us walking past a place that did tarot readings and I decided to do it. And whether it was good or not, because when you're 23 and somebody says you have a long journey ahead of you and you can either go over the mountain or around the mountain, that applies to every single 23-year-old on the planet. So... But the thing is, she used these beautiful round cards that I had never seen before. I hadn't really seen any tarot cards before except on television, but they looked so different and they were so all-inclusive. It was the Mother Earth deck. They're round and there were lots of tribal images, but not all tribal images, but it was beautiful. And I remember being fascinated and coming home. And again, no internet in 1992. So... Mm -hmm. I don't even know how I found them. I don't even remember where I bought them. If I bought them in New Orleans, I don't think so. I think I went home to San Francisco and went to some occult shop and located them. Wait, wait, wait. So the woman who gave you your reading, was she black or white? I actually can't remember. Interesting. So, but I got to say, like, because I can't remember. She probably was white. She was probably white. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if that's true. New Orleans is a really diverse town, and I can't be sure. What I remember about New Orleans in 1992 is very similar to San Francisco in 1992. Like, a lot of white kids trying to be, which I love, don't get me wrong, I don't care what color, but just, like, a lot of people, like, trying to, like, create their own life. It was a very Gen X moment that I loved, and I felt very simpatico 
<laughs> in, in New Orleans in that sense. So, but yeah, probably white. And so maybe, uh, but the thing is, and also the woman who did those cards, I think she's white, Karen Vogels. So again, but through, I'm not going to even use the word cultural appropriation because back then that might not have been true. And I do think that a lot of it is, if you look at the cards, not everybody is white, but not everybody, and not everybody is thin. And so in the idea, it was one of the most inclusive decks I've ever seen, even if there's some cultural appropriation. But that was my first deck and I had it for 20 years. Then I'd say about eight years ago, I started noticing that there were indie decks and that's when I started my new collection. And I think I have about 10 decks now. Are they all Rider White Tarot's or do you have any Toth Tarot's? I have no Toth Tarot's. And partly I don't because I feel like for those of people who are who are kind of interested in tarot, but the idea is that there's more than two branches, but there are two main branches of tarot and reading and like how much symbolism you get in a deck. And I've always sort of been interested in a Toth Tarot deck, but I just haven't gotten one. And then like, I listened to Wildly Tarot and they hate Toth. And so I, and it's funny and they hate them for lots of really interesting, good reasons. Yes. So I was and like, I didn't oh. even know. Yeah. I didn't yeah. know until I listened to a specific episode and I was like, oh, this is why I can't connect to this deck. Yeah. The decks that I've been using more recently don't have any people in them. What was your first deck? So my first deck I got from my good friend, and it's a Rider White, just a plain, like from New Orleans. Okay, interesting, yeah. And it's just very standard. But see, I was under this misconception about this superstition that you shouldn't buy your own decks, that your deck should be given to you as a gift. So that's partly why I think it was so long before I got my first deck, because I was waiting for someone to give it to me. Wow. It's so funny. So wait a minute. So let's like back up, like, just so like people are listening, like, okay, like how do you use tarot? So a lot of people think tarot is fortune telling and that isn't how I use it. How do you use your tarot cards? (laughs) So anybody who was listening to our Facebook live that we had a couple weeks ago, I use my tarot cards to give me guidance not so much like not so much like fortune telling, but to give like guidance on my mood for either the day or the week. You know, like this week I pulled the Ace of Pentacles for the week. And I thought that was an interesting card to pull for the week. Anytime I pull a pentacles, I'm very excited. It just gives me a feeling of how my mood should be for the week. And it's more that I manifest that than the cards telling me what you know, what it is. So it, the cards may actually have some, I may, the cards may be charged with my energy and, and I'm pulling something that is, it's, that's part of my energy, but I know that I'm going to manifest whatever that card is because it really comes down to me. No, absolutely. Also, I also have an to- Oracle deck though. I should talk about I that. haven't gotten into Oracle decks. I really do like the hero's journey that is evident. It's the storyteller in me that's evident in the tarot cards. And I really like that. And so I use tarot cards for intention setting for the week. Sometimes I'll choose a card and sometimes actually I'll find a card to manifest. So I'll just choose a card that really works and fits like what my week, like I would like my week to look like. And so I try to manifest towards that. 
I like to do readings and I see it as a time to check in on myself. Like, so if I do a huge reading, it take, it might take an hour, but that's an hour that I've spent just self-care me and self-care. But the other thing is that, you know, when you meditate, it's the idea of separating yourself from your feelings and looking at your feelings. And that's kind of like it, they pass by, like you are not your feelings. You are not your emotions. Mm-hmm. And really therapy is a very similar thing because through talk therapy, you talk out your emotions, your feelings, and then you can see them and make behavioral changes based on what you're looking at. And I find tarot to be very similar to meditation in the sense that your emotions then can play out in cards and you can let go of things. And so I just find it a great way to let go. And then finally, as a writing prompt, there are times where I don't want to work on a project. I just want to do my writing practice. And so like, I'll pull a card and I'll start to write about it and write what I see. And then it just becomes whatever it becomes. So like, I just find them to be amazing tools of creativity Mm -hmm. And the art is amazing. So if you like art, there is, it's, there are pieces of artwork, these cards. Yes. So when I was in Sicily, cause you know, like the original tarot is from Italy is from Italy, but it's from Sicily. So what I love about this is that I was trying so hard in December to find like, and the problem is that we went over Christmas week. So everything was closed. Mm because it's such a Catholic country, everything is just, all the stores were closed because I just had this, and I'm going to go back. I wanted to go down a little alley in Palermo and like go into this like, you know, antique bookstore and find some like old, you know, 19th century tarot cards. Like that was my dream that I was going to find. It didn't happen, but (laughs) next time. But there is some sort of like familial connection in that sense that I'm seeking out. I don't really feel an ancestral connection, but I like that there might be in Mm -hmm. in that sense. You know, I had a landlord who had tarot cards and she didn't do a credit check. She would draw a tarot card to see if you would fit and work in the house. Wow. Yeah. Marietta, she was the best landlord I ever had in my life. That's deeper than a credit check. Yeah. And the fact is, is I remember Eric and I could barely afford the apartment when we went to go see it, but it was like my San Francisco dream manifested in LA. And I remember standing there and she gave me a flower and she said, you are beautiful. And then she gave me a tomato from her garden. And then she says, oh, I don't do a credit check. I will pull a tarot card. And I looked at Eric and I said, we are taking this place no matter what happens. Like this is only a place where beautiful things happen. And it was true. It was a beautiful 10 years we spent in that flat. So your first deck, was it everyday magic or what was your... So the next you thing- You have a very after, representational deck. Yes. So after I got that deck, I thought I talked to, so I used to get readings, monthly readings. I still, I, I haven't in, since we've been on lockdown, but I used to get monthly readings from my spiritual guide. And I talked to her about this and she was like, you don't, you can get your own deck. And I was like, yeah. okay. So I went and got the Modern Witch Tarot. Modern Witch, right. Yeah, but it took a while, a little bit of research to figure out what deck I wanted. I like the Modern Witch Tarot because not only is it culturally diverse because, you know, there's black, there's brown, there's white people, but they're also gender, sort of gender neutral. All right. Absolutely. And that, I I like the, you know, the fluidity of, of just being able to, 
see that in front of me. But then the cards that I use now are not are not the modern witch tarot, which I, I still love them. And I have them in their little silk pouch with the selenite stick sitting on top of it. So they stay charged. But I'm really into my canine deck, which is a deck of dogs. And it's black and white. And this is what's so interesting, right? About it's a black and white deck. And I yes. also, my my favorite deck that I used for a long time had barely any color. But talk to me about the dog deck. I don't know why at the time when I saw it, I just had to have it and I bought it immediately. And it was like how both of us love Etsy. And it was one of these purchases where after, like right after I hit buy, I kind of got worried about it and then I didn't think about it anymore. And then when the deck came, remember, it was so beautiful with the silver around the sides. And I just, I could not stop touching it. And then a couple of, after, you know, like a couple of days of using it and stuff, I thought, I want to look through all the cards. And I found almost every dog in my life represented in those cards. Dogs wow. that had died, dogs that I know, the two that I have. Like, it's just, it was like one of those things. And I was like, I have to, this is the, this was the deck for me because I'm still so spiritually connected to the three dogs that passed away. You have to see yourself in the deck. And what's interesting to me is I never liked the Rider weight deck itself. Like I did buy a copy of it. I have long since given it away, but it is royal in nature. So it looks like for other people who don't do tarot, it looks like sort of the royals of playing cards in a sense. Like, so it's very... It just, I didn't connect to it. I was like, I used it, but I didn't connect to it. So I, that's why I used the Mother Earth deck for so long. But then I found a deck. It was the Wild Unknown Tarot that I used for a long time with no people in it. And that's when I really got more recently engaged in tarot because you just insert yourself into it. So it becomes a real meditative card. And what I noticed is that representation mattered. I didn't relate to this royalty cartoony characters. And I was Mm -hmm. able to sort of, really insert myself into the space. And then the trouble is that when you're trying to learn how to use the cards without relying on a book all the time as a reference point, the cards with people or dogs or animals in them tell more of a story. So I went, and this is when I really thought about race and cards And I bought this deck that I love. I do love it. It's the Dark Mansion Tarot, and it's by a Polish artist. And it's all characters. I'm like Tim Burton's The Nightmare Before. (gasps) So, you know, this is the Hanged Man card. So you can see, like, it's a really... Oh, yeah, I love those. Yes. But everything, like, if you're learning tarot, this is amazing, right? Because everything tells a story. Like, here's the Four of Wands. Oh my God. So the idea is it's really, it's, it's a great way to learn tarot. I'm going through the tarot cards and everybody's white and everybody's skinny. And I have to say, like, I'm a white person and I'm, you know, I'm pretty skinny. I'm not really skinny anymore. But the idea is like, as much as I love this, it felt false. Like it didn't feel like the world around me at all. And it felt juvenile and old, like old fashioned Mm -hmm. rather than something that was current, inviting and something. So as much as I really love the artwork of this and 
certainly the Polish artists who put this together, I totally support. But for me as using a card, I was like, this isn't representational. And it's like, I would never, if I were ever reading cards for other people, I would never choose this, you know, sort of like a deck to have in my collection. So what's funny for me is once you kind of become, I think, aware as a white person too, about the importance of representation it's like, you can't undo that. Like once the, you flip the switch, because now when we think about ableism and again on Wildly Tarot, which is a podcast you and I both listen to, it's a Facebook group we're both a part of. And, you know, they're talking about ableism and representation because there are cards now where, you know, we have people of different body shapes Mm -hmm. or it's amorphous body shapes and you can't really tell like if somebody's thin or heavy, it's just more cartoony or amorphous. And then there are cards now where they have people in wheelchairs. Oh, that's awesome. And there are cards now where it's clear that, you know, the lover's card might be like two people of the same sex. So the idea is like, that's once you start thinking about how important it is to be represented, you want to make sure that anything that you touch in your life is. Yeah. Does that make sense? And I think that's true even for a white person. So you and I have been talking a lot about like leaving the like, yeah, right. Exit plans. And so I am like, we're both constantly on real estate, like looking at real estate, like where to leave. Like I seriously, like at night, the night Ruth Bader Ginsburg died, I mm. had to watch Star Trek Insurrection, like a 1996 movie. I had to watch a space movie. I love that one. And then I just had looked, I was looking at it on the TV and then I was on my iPad and I was looking at houses in Europe. Like I was just <laughs> like, I was like, this is all I can do right now. But what's interesting is as much as I sort of think about the exit plan and what I want to live, like I was like, but I live in such amazing diversity here in Los Angeles. And now I'm going to be really cognizant of leaving it, Mm -hmm. you know, and that unsettles me too. How do you feel like, so when you buy tarot cards, are you overtly looking for representation or yeah. do you instinctually look for it? Like you just No, want I'm to- overtly looking for representation. Like I um, opted into that Kickstarter for that tarot card done by that black woman. And they all are pictures of people from Louisiana, her ancestors. And it was definitely what I want. I wish I had it now, but it's supposedly going to go out next week. It, and it's so beautiful. It's the black and gold tarot. I've been specifically looking for that. I think that's why the modern witch tarot I liked. When I went to get the the urban tarot, which I was so excited when I saw it on Amazon, not realizing because I didn't know anything about the Toth tarot. And did you know that the Toth tarot was designed by a drug-addled mystic? Is, is <laughs> and maybe that from the, modern tarot, the book? Yeah. Michelle maybe that's why. Maybe that's why they just, we can't, neither one of us can relate to him. I don't know. It is the darkest, most disturbing tarot cards. And mind you, also the most inclusive I have ever seen. Wow. So there's black, there's white, there's Asian. There are poor people. There are rich people. There are working people. There's royalty. There's animals. It's just, it's a very interesting tarot, but very kind of scary to me. Like, this is the devil. Let me see. Oh, He's that sitting is on a toilet. 
Yeah, that is a like right. He looks like an addict. Yeah, sitting in a a stall. It's a bathroom stall. Yeah, like, he probably has just place. snorted a line of coke off the you know top of the toilet. Oh god! <laughs> and it kind of it's kind of scary some of these. But then look at this one's the like one of the few white. Yeah, happy painting a painting. Yeah, something. that's the Empress. It's weird. Like the anyway, I can't relate to this deck. No, sometimes you can appreciate a deck for the artwork itself or for the inclusivity itself and you don't connect to the deck. I yeah. certainly... But I am concerned when I get this other deck that it's all Black people. I mean, I realize, you know, representation definitely matters. Why does it worry you that there would be all Black people? Because life isn't all Black people. Ah, no, it's true. Right, you know, and so if we really wanted to have a true representation of our lives, then a deck would have white people, black people, Asian people, indigenous people, you know, Latinx people. Like it would just have everyone. And I, I kind of like, when we talk about inclusion and representation, I worry that we go all like one way. Like it's gotta be all black people. It's gotta be all Asian people. It's gotta be all. And that's just not life. Like you don't walk into any neighborhood and have all just one. Even if we go to little Tokyo, you are still going to see other races, other people of other, you know, like it might be the majority. It might be Japanese that live there, but you are still going to see other races and cultural ethnicities represented. So I feel we shouldn't go all the way. Like I think representation should be just that representation. So everybody should be represented. That's how life is. I agree. I I completely agree. So I get a little worried when it's like, it's an all black TV show or it's an all this TV show because life doesn't work like that. It just really also So there is something so reactionary to it. And, but I have to say though, is there something in the reckoning where there need, because it's been all white for so long mm. that in the reckoning, there isn't some, you know what? I just want something that's all my ethnicity or all my race. Is there something to that? So I have a problem with that too, because then those people who are so pro-white have more to be angry about because they're not represented. So like, why can't we show them that we can all live in harmony together? Right? So if we could start having more images of all the different cultures living together in harmony, then that would be that first step with this reckoning to show those pro-white people that it can happen. Right? So when you see the football players, white, black, all of them linking arms together and, you know, saying that we're representing like in F1, they're, they're formula so one for people. F, they, they, say, <laughs> um, they have the hashtag and racism, but we race as one. Yeah. Race as one. So if you're thinking of it as we're all one people together, it might be easier. And like, I say this with like, you know, not tongue in cheek, but you know what I mean? Like it would be easier for the pro-white people or even the all white people, yeah, the white supremacists, but even the all like those pro-black people or people who are just like, I just want to be with my own people. If they, if everybody sees themselves together with everyone else, it might be easier for us to 
move to a place where we can all be together. I think because we already have all black TV, right? We have black entertainment television. Latino people have their own TV isn't the argument that like, why does it have to be black entertainment television? Why can't it just be ABC? Because the argument would be ABC is all white. Like, you know, you move through that white world. Isn't that ghettoization in the sense that you have to have black entertainment television? There needs to be like a Latin channel. There needs to be an Asian channel. Like, isn't that like further ghettoizing? Yeah. But I'm saying, that's what I'm saying. We already have those things and we're not seeing... We're not, and we still can't seem to, to make this connection that we should all be together. So we already have these spaces where black people can be all together and white people can be all together and have. And so what we need now is to mesh all of that. Living in LA or living in New York and other really super diverse places, it's really easy for creators to create without a racial construct. Because Mm -hmm. you tend to create what's around you. And so even for me, if I were to just create a natural state of things, I'm going to hear different languages. I'm going to see people of different races. I'm going to see new immigrants, people who have been here since before California was a state. Like you can think of all of it. But what do you say to somebody who's creating in either an enclave of all one race, and it could be a white enclave, but it could also just be an all black enclave, like, or, you know, black as fuck and, and all the, but you uh, know, black as fuck had white people in it. What was interesting, it might've been the foil. Do you know what I mean? But that show had white people in it. Um, same as blackish blackish has quite a few white regulars on the show. Yeah. Like I know what you mean, but they're still written with an all black writer's room. No, I agree. But when you think about that, like, how do you, you're asking then somebody to be not in their creative place, but to be in their head and their analytical place and say, Oh, we need to make this more diverse. So what I'm saying is that person who has that idea should then, when they take that idea to the studio, make sure that in the room, the writer's room, that when they start to really flesh out the story, have representation of everyone. Right. So, but how does that work, say, in, like, so that might work in a commercial television production, and that's what you're talking about. But what about just a creator of tarot cards? This is where I think it's okay to have like an all white deck and all black deck and all this deck, because the person is creating this based on something within themselves. And then the person who's seeking out the deck can seek out what they want. But I'm talking the the greater world. Well, all right, then let's go to young adult fiction or children's literature. So like what, how does that work? Because I'm just trying to say, yes, like, yeah, no, that's a hard one, girl. I'm, you know, I, there's Lupita Nyong'o wrote the most beautiful story, little story, children's book that I'm, I'm getting from my niece and it's an all black storybook. And I, when I first decided that I was going to buy this for her, I thought, oh, this is fantastic. She'll see herself in this book. Right. Her mother and her family live next door to a white family. And they have decided to quarantine together as their bubble, right? So these Mm -hmm. these two families are together in a bubble, which I think is one of the most progressive things ever. Kudos to my sister-in-law for, you know, 
the way she lives her life like this. So her children and their children are having this amazing, diverse, growing up together like, you know, and it, it's, yeah. that's what the world really should look like. Right. But I then worry, like, am I going to send her this all black children's book, but that's not even representative of her life because her quote unquote other family is white. But so, don't you think that like for years, so here's the thing, send the book because like, here's the thing, like diverse lifestyles are important. So you can be in an all black community because if you grow up in like a certain neighborhood and maybe there are just no white people living there and you might live yeah. in an all white neighborhood, but you still want to see diversity and see yeah. that there are all different ways to live. And the idea is that 90% of the books they're going to read are going to be of all white kids. Yeah. So she lives with my dad. So my dad will not allow that. <laughs> so <laughs> and I think it is so important because even as diverse as my upbringing was and as as much as my parents thought hard about all those issues i have to say i i didn't read beverly clearly like it was beverly clearly it was laura ingalls it was anne of green gables white those were all my books so yeah and and i saw myself like i was i wanted to be anne of green gables until she got married and cuz she shouldn't have got married and i wanted to be laura ingalls until she got married cuz of course she was i don't think she should have gotten married i was so especially not to that guy no and like Jane Eyre, like again, why? Like, but again, like every heroine that I read, Little Woman, yeah, like oh Joe, but White Nancy, I was obsessed with Nancy Drew. Oh my mm-hmm. God, I wanted to Me be too. Nancy Drew. Well, I wanted to be George, but I wanted to be the lead. <laughs> Do you know? I wanted to yeah, be no. the boy, but I wanted to be the lead, not the sidekick. But. I read all those books, but that's why, like, all I did was see myself. And the fact is that as a woman, I can tell you representation screwed with me because as a woman who never wanted to be married and never wanted kids, I was bugged by the ends of all those books because Mm -hmm. it was always about, and then you find the man and you're happy. It It just pissed me. I was just so angry. That's how all those books ended. But I digress. But the idea is that I'm cognizant now that I'm, I really, and even, and I loved my high school and we did have some, this is like what the early eighties, we read the classics and it was all by white men. Yeah, I know. And I think like, God, like the shadow, it created, I have such empathy and I love all those fiction characters and I love all those books. I love reading so much, but I'm really aware of how limiting that, that is and how it affects how you see the world. I think there's a little bit of that though, you know, like as a black person, you don't even think about that because you don't have anything else. And I mean, my favorite book growing up was a A tree grows in Brooklyn and then (gasps) um, joy in the morning. Those were the two books that turned that corner for me in school where I all of a sudden went from, Oh, you know, reading's okay to, I have to read everything. Yeah. I have a tree grows in Brooklyn. So do I. No, like I just, I was going to reread it. I reread it every couple of years. Oh my God. I love that. So the, you know, and it wasn't until I sort of started reading fantasy that then you start seeing a little bit like that. Then it's like, okay, it's, they're not black or white. They're creatures, but then it's like, it feels better. Yeah. No, I totally. (laughs) 
I love creatures. Like, yes. people don't like Star Trek, but uh, come on, man. I love Star Trek. Yeah, well, I'm um, Star Wars. I mean, I do love Star Trek, too. Like, I'm a next-gen girl. No, oh, I am a next-gen. I, I, so. I did not do... You know, on my personal blog, my friend Connor and I wrote, like, who was better? Because she was in love with Captain Kirk growing up, and I was in love with Hawkeye Pierce from MASH. And we have a little column next to each other. Like I read this. Like yeah. But she was a, I was not an original Star Trek. I thought it was creepy. I have since gone back and I think it's campy and funny, but I'm a next gen. Oh, oh. my God. Jean-Luc Picard. Make it Sir so. Patrick Stewart is the hottest man alive. He is. I agree. I totally agree with that. His wife's hot too, by the way. I did not know that. Oh my God. She sings like an angel and she's absolutely stunning. Their story is so beautiful, you know, because he was the child of an abuse, an abused relationship. His mother was physically abused almost to the point of death several times by his father, who was a veteran, came back with PTSD. How do you know all this? Oh, because I researched it. I'm one of these people when I fall in love with you, I have to know everything about you. Yeah. So like I researched it and then he, he would go to different universities and give talks about domestic violence. Wow. I did not know that. He, his personal story made me love him even more. And now I'm like so tempted to get CBS all access just so that I can watch the new Picard. Yes. I want to do that too. But I just don't know. Like, you know, you've already spent so much money, Netflix, Amazon, Hulu. And because our fabulous president um, made it so that there's so much, so much of these things are not tax deductible. So even though I'm in the industry, I can't deduct it on my tax. I'm so. going to do, I, it's coming out. No, I know, but you're going to be able to buy it on iTunes. So I'm not going to subscribe, but I'm going to just buy it on iTunes. Oh, I'm, well then I'll do that too. Yeah. Wouldn't it be great? But you know who I had a crush on and this is like, so Worf. Yeah, but I kind of, I am Klingon. Like I am part Klingon. (laughs) Like I'm very. That was a very good character. Very good character. um, I talk about representation, like even from the original Star Trek and I, you know, but there's such representation. And then I got to say a shout out to Voyager with a a female captain. Yes. And then the next one had a black male captain. Absolutely. So Star Trek has always been, Mm. yeah, Star Trek has always been one of those shows that has been amazing. And actually is exactly what you're talking about. Yes. Everybody living in harmony. Well, well, that's kind of what I loved about it. And it's so funny, like since Trump was elected, I have to say, I have been not watching shows where there are antiheroes because I just can't deal with the ugliness. And I can't watch really, like, I haven't been able to watch Ozark because the people are just really ugly. Oh, they're awful. And I know it's a good show and I'm sure I'll watch it, but I can't watch that right now. I watch Star Trek where everybody tries to make a moral decision and it's like always righteous in the end. And there's great harmony. And Eric laughs at me. He's like, what are you doing? I said, I'm rewatching Voyager for the, like the millionth time. And yes, like I have to fall asleep. So I'm listening to Picard manage the universe in a very good way. Like that is where I'm at right now. And I do find that see, and that's why I also like watch a lot of British TV because also tend to be cast 
unless it's like happening in some English village. Oh, Harry. But the idea is it generally tends to be a diverse cast Mm -hmm. and it is about living in harmony. And I, I like that. I do too. I do love British TV. I've become obsessed with Michaela Cole. She's a Black actress, Black English actress, um, but she's also a writer and director. And her first ever show, I think I watched it in Australia, it was called Chewing Gum on Netflix. Oh, I love that show. So she, after two seasons, it stopped and she kind of disappeared. And then she did this Netflix series about she's an African child. I'll have to fill, I'll find it and I'll put it in the show and give it to you for the show notes. But she's such an amazing actress. And then the new series that's on HBO, I May Destroy You. Unbelievable. Again, very diverse cast because she has a very diverse life. London and her and, and all of her shows have some based around her but oh no you really need to see i may destroy you it is it's all about consent all right i'm gonna watch it and when i say diverse and just it's diverse in race it's diverse in there's gay characters trans characters and they have like a love story it's really it's a really good show british and i find that you get those kind of complex nuanced types of television shows more internationally. I feel like sometimes American television shows have, they, they feel like they have to spoon feed us everything, which is one of the reasons why I'm really enjoying Lovecraft country because it's a little different. Like if nothing is being spoon fed every episode, I'm like, what? Oh my God. You know, that's HBO, right? Yeah. HBO is worth buying for me. I'm not going to do it. I know, but I'm not going to do it. It's the one channel that if I didn't have anything else, it's the one channel that I would do because they take chances. They take big, yeah. I mean, like insecure. Yeah. I don't know they what just, you're talking you know, about. They took a I big don't, chance. Yeah, I know. But, oh my God, would you love insecure? I may destroy you as HBO. What else? Lovecraft Country's HBO. Insecure is HBO. So now know. everybody knows how Lenya's spending her pandemic. Yes. <laughs> If I'm not doing that, I am obsessively watching Girlfriends on Netflix. Or watching Formula One. Yes. The week, but see, the races aren't, aren't, aren't every weekend. Um, oh, so they it's had a break. Yeah, they had a break last week, but this weekend is a race in Russia. That's exciting. All right. So before we end, we should tell everybody. A conversation, everybody. But before <laughs> we end, do you want to pull a card for the show? Sure. Do you want to pull a card? Sure. I'm going to pull a card. I'm going to show. Are you going to pull a tarot card? Yes. Then I'm going to pull an Oracle card. All right. I'm going to pull a tarot from the Lightseer's deck, the Lightseer's deck, which is my, the deck I've been using since the pandemic began. I find it to be a happy deck. I don't want any, I don't want anything that isn't happy right now. Again, Star Trek. I'm going to, I would watch Mary Tyler more episodes if I could. (laughs) <laughs> like that's how I got through law school. Mary Tyler, um, I used to get, here's how I got through law school. I used to get high. I was a big, I was a big pothead in high, in law school, in high school. <laughs> Maybe, <laughs> but that's not what we're talking about in college and in law school. But in law school, I used to get high. Like once I was done studying to sleep because I have a heart, I have such bad insomnia and then I would watch, I had cable back then, and I would watch Mary Tyler Moore on Nick at Night. 
And I would watch for feminist cues that she was having sex. There's one episode where she come home in the morning from like being out somewhere else. And I'm like, see, she had sex. Like, <laughs> so and that was my obsession. But I wanted to be Mary Tyler Moore. But that was. I'm, I just want to tell people I'm pulling a an oracle card for the show on from the Daily Crystal Inspiration Oracle deck. Ooh. So not people, crystals, because I'm obsessed with crystals. For those of you who don't know. Okay. Have a think. Oh, you're gonna love it because you love pentacles. I do. So I pulled an eight of pentacles. <gasps> Ooh. What does that mean again? It's a bountiful card. So that's good for but us. So pentacles yeah. are earthy, money, success. So mastering a skill that you put into your work, the methodical progress, patience, determine, and soul purpose. Oh, wow. Woo! That's a good With one. Loving determination, we persevere and become the people we long to be. This is a good one for the podcast. That's that is a good one. Positive. And see, do you see how like oh, loving and wonderful? Yeah. This is my hat. This is my pandemic deck. Chris well, Ann. I pulled the appetite card. Ooh. Get out of your comfort zone. We are. Yes. Wow. That's a beautiful stone. Is that green and blue? It is. It's green and blue. I'm going to have to buy one of these now. <laughs> I'm, oh, I'm so obsessed. Etsy beware. Lenya is coming. So it's my crystal person is Andrea from Crystal and Craft. That's a shout out. I know. I love her so much. But wait, let me read you about yeah. the card. It says, burst through your bubble. There's a first time for everything and everyone. Get out of your comfort zone to discover what feeds your appetite for life. It is easy to become complacent, to play it safe, and live in your self-created boundaries. Don't let your routine hold you back from challenging yourself. Now that is great. That is a great card. And with that, bye, everybody. We'll see you next week. Bye. Find us at womenbridgingthegap.com and check out our show notes below for other ways to talk with us.